Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And usually when a foreigner or somebody that nobody knew came in, people would automatically see them and say, hey, you can come and stay with us tonight. You can stay with us. And because uh, it was just very hospitable. It was a very, it was the right thing to do. This is their culture. And it goes to show how far things had gone in this culture when no one would reach out to them. It even says there, no one would take them into his house to spend the night. So they're out there in, in the square hospitality it's important Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio with Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, Pastor Rob continues our study in Chapter 19 of the Book of Judges. Today, we learn how important hospitality is to God. The Levite and his concubine found no hospitality in Gibeah. This reflects poorly on the people of Gibeah because God commanded such hospitality among the people of God. There is something wrong when there is no such hospitality among God's people. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are led to be hospitable to others, especially to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Father said to the man, please be content to stay all night and let your heart be merry. In verse 7, and when the man stood to depart, his father-in-law urged him, so he lodged there again. Then he arose early on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, Please refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon, and both of them ate. And when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, Look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. Can you, can you see how this goes? And see, we, we don't understand this kind of culture because it's foreign to us, because we don't really live in this kind of culture. But back in this time, hospitality was everything. It was really held to a high, high place. And it was a good reflection upon you if you offered hospitality. And you wanted to refresh your guests. You wanted them to be with you. You wanted to bless them. Because everywhere you travel in Israel back at this time, there was no cars. You know, everything was, it was rough terrain and a lot of rocks. A lot of rocks. Very mountainous region, very rough area. And so when you finally came to a place, you were ready to put your feet up and have something cold to drink, an iced tea. You were, you were very thankful when somebody would wash your feet after all the mud and the dirt and the dust and the dry sun cracking your feet. So it was very common for this thing to happen. So he delayed him until afternoon, and both of them ate. And when the man stood to depart, he and his concubine and his servant, we're in verse 9 again, he says, look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. 
Tomorrow, go your way early so that you may get home. And so, finally, the man has kind of had enough. The man, however, verse 10, was not willing to spend that night. So he arose and departed and came opposite Jebus, that is Jerusalem. So what you've got to think here is a map. And, and a map, if you were to look at where Bethlehem was, Bethlehem is like right here, and then right about six miles, four to six miles, something like that, seven miles to the north is Jabus. Jabus is what we call Jerusalem. They call it Jabus because the Jebusites, the pagan idolaters, that they were. They inhabited that city. You recall several years from this time that we're looking at when David finally um, is king, he has Joab. Remember, go up that little shaft in the Gahon Spring that we visited in Israel? He goes up and he conquers the city of Jabus. And they called it Zion, the city of David. But that's how it was conquered, by one man going up through a water uh, main in the rock, and he climbed it up, and he was able to get into the city, and all the other soldiers came up, and they were able to take the city pretty easily. But it was called Jabus. Later on, they called it Jerusalem, the city of peace. And so, not too far away, you can understand it. Put yourself in the picture. I like to do this often. Here it is, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon, and he's saying, stay with us. And this guy's thinking, well, I probably got, I got six miles to go. I'll just go to Jabus. You know, I could be there in a couple, like an hour and a half, two hours, something like that, or less, right? You can walk that, that distance in an hour or two, hour and a half, something like that. So he was not willing to spend the night, so he rose, departed, came, to op- came opposite Jabus, that is Jerusalem. And when they were there, uh, or with him, were the two saddled donkeys, his concubine also with him. You know, and I wonder, as we get into this passage, what would have happened if they would have just stayed the night one more time, you know how uh, when I, as a man, when I, we're getting ready to go somewhere, I don't know, guys, can you relate to this? When, when we have a family, we're going camping, and we're leaving in the morning. I want to leave in the morning. I don't want to leave at 2 in the afternoon. You know what that's like, Scott. And so when you want to go, you want to go. You want to you get at it and get going on the road, right? That's just your, the way we're wired, right? And it would have been better for this man to have just stayed another night. But by that time, he'd felt delayed, 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 and finally it's like, I just can't. i got to get out of here. i got to go. I want to get back home. And would to God that he had just waited. And you're going to see what happens when sometimes we just get a little too antsy. You know, some places are really bad in the daytime. We're going to see a place in a few moments that's really bad at nighttime. Some places are bad in the daytime, and some places are really bad at nighttime. And we're going to see this place, Gabeah, a place in Benjamin, that probably during the day it seemed like a normal place. Maybe behind closed doors there were some evil things happening, but boy, once the sun went down, all of a sudden it was like Mallory Square in Key West. Anybody been to Mallory Square in Key West? Only the pastor. We used to vacation down there in a in a timeshare thing, and Mallory Square was right there. And let me tell you, every it, it's a circus, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Very, it was like Sodom and Gomorrah. Really interesting place. There was some beauty and some nice things about it. Don't get me wrong; the sunset was beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. So, 
So they go, so they were near Jabus, and the day was far spent, and so the servant to his master said, Come, please, let us turn aside to the city of the Jebusites and lodged in it. The Jebusites, remember, are a pagan uh, group of people, and they're up on a mountain. It's pretty much impregnable. In fact, that was their boast when David came against it. You can't, you can't take this place. You're, we're, we're too impregnable. You can't mess with us. So they just, instead of messing and going into the Jebusites, going into Jabus, they decide to go a little bit north of Jerusalem, And so, but his master said to him, verse 12, we will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners. These are a city of foreigners. Let's go to our own people. Sounds really good, doesn't it? After all, your own people will treat you much nicer. Please let us turn aside into this city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said, we will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go to Gabeah. Now, Gabeah was just a little bit north of Jabus. And this is ironic. It's interesting because they went to an area within his own people, and they're going to encounter disaster there. When he might have turned into Jabus and maybe wouldn't have had a problem at all. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes the the more trouble you get into is by doing the thing that's most familiar and the things that feel more familiar to you than going to some place you you don't have anything to do with and you've never been before. Sometimes you get in more trouble doing the thing that just feels right to you. And this is exactly what they did. So, verse 13, his servant said, Come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gabeah or in Ramah. Now, both of these cities, Gabeah and Ramah, were in within the tribe of Benjamin. And these are the children of Israel. Not Jabus. In Judah, right on the border of Judah and Benjamin. Jabus, as you already told you who they were. So now they're in their own land and their own people. This has got to be safe, got to be a good place. Unfortunately, the place where they thought they were safe, they were actually not. Sometimes our greatest calamities and hurts come from those whom we know or are familiar with. Isn't that true? No one can hurt you more than somebody who's familiar. Have you heard of the term friendly fire? Somebody in the army or the, the services, they get... One of the men are firing on the enemy and one of his own guys gets in the way and he gets killed. It's called friendly fire. And sometimes we we can get into a lot of trouble and we we think that we're safe because we're around people that we know. We're around good people. Jesus said something really interesting and of course the context is a little different here. In Matthew 10, Jesus, uh, speaking of the, the division that comes through those who share the gospel, he said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to, the, to, to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And, I, and, and in context of the gospel, we understand what that means. But there is something about familiarity that we automatically think we're safe, and sometimes we are not. And this is certainly one of those cases where it actually turned against these men and certainly this concubine. So verse 14, they passed by and they went their way. And the sun went down on them near Gabeah, which belongs to Benjamin, and they turned aside there to go in and lodge in Gabeah. And when he went in, he sat in the open square of the city, for no one would take him, take them into his house to spend the night. 
And, and, and you've seen this before. There's, most of these cities were fortified. There's a gate to the city, and you go inside the gate, and there's a square in there where people would hang out and talk business and things of that nature. And usually when a foreigner or somebody that nobody knew came in, people would automatically see them and say, hey, you can come and stay with us tonight. You can stay with us. And because uh, it was just very hospitable, it was a very it was the right thing to do. This is their culture, and it goes to show how far things had gone in this culture when no one would reach out to them. It even says there, no one would take them into his house to spend the night. So they're out there, in in the square. Hospitality. It's important. It's something that is waning in our culture in America, especially, and part of it I think is. Perhaps because of sin. It's very hard, you know, trust is something that is earned, isn't it? We don't automatically trust someone. I don't automatically trust someone. I trust somebody because I've been with them long enough and you you get to know a person. And trust is something that is established, isn't it? And in this culture, things were such, especially uh, earlier than this, actually, when things were a little less degraded in Abraham's time, for instance. People trusted one another. They, they, they'd reach out to one another, and they had this wonderful compassion and grace with one another, and things weren't as... There were still issues, don't get me wrong, because sin is sin, and man is sinful. But the culture was such that they, they really valued this idea of hospitality. And it challenges me, to be honest with you, because if it's not somebody I don't know, chances are I'm not going to feel really comfortable about having them stay with me if they needed to. I mean, we live in a culture, too, where there's hotels, and these things make up the balance of these things. But I think you get my point. When you think about these kinds of things, it kind of challenges it, doesn't it? Would I be willing to do that to a total stranger I've never knew? Would you be willing to let a man, two men come into your house, and you've got a wife and a couple daughters? You have no idea who they are, where they're coming from. But hospitality is something that is, is good. So, verse 16, just then, as they're sitting out there in the square, nobody's reaching out to them, nobody's asking them to come in. Just then, an old man comes in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. And he was staying at Gabeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? And so he said to him, we're passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am there, or I am from there. And I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord. But there is no one who will take me into his house. And although we... We have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself, for your female servant, and for your young man who is with your servant. There is no lack of anything. In other words, the man is saying, listen, if you take us in, you don't have to worry about doing the normal things that normal people do. You don't have to feed my donkeys. You don't have to feed us. We got our own provisions. May that be a, you can relax a little bit, right? That's what he's saying to this host. And the old man said, verse 20, Peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. And see, his heart was right. This was a man of the old guard, a man who, had, who understood what hospitality was all about. He said, it's my responsibility. Only do not spend night in the open square. And that was really good advice. This man certainly knew this culture. He knew this, 
this town. Who knows how long he had been here. So he brought him in, verse 21, into his house, and he gave fodder or food to the donkeys, and they washed their feet, which is a very normal sort of Near Eastern, Middle Eastern custom. Remember Jesus talked about that all the time, how you know, he would go into a house and he'd go into the Pharisee's house and they wouldn't wash his face. They wouldn't let him wash his hands or they wouldn't wash his feet when he came in. And he says, but this woman has washed my, my feet with her tears and dried it off with her hair. Remember that? That's what Jesus was talking about. But you, Mr. Pharisee, a leader in Israel, you wouldn't even do any of these common sort of hospitable things to me? So he brought him into his house, gave food to his donkeys, washed his feet, and they ate and drank. Now, before we go any further into verse 22, we have to look at something. Turn with me to um, Genesis chapter 19. You're going to see something very interesting. In fact, you're going to see a parallel that's so strikingly sim- similar, similar. It's going to be quite shocking. In Genesis 19, you recall the event. This is during when Sodom and Gomorrah. Notice in verse 1, we're just going to read the first 11 verses, and then we're going to come back to our place here in uh, chapter 19 of Judges. Notice in Genesis 19, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. Lot saw them, and he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself to his face toward the ground, and he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. This was all very hospitable, very common, practical things, that you may rise early and go on your way. And remember, um, these three angels were just talking uh, to, actually three of the angels were, were talking to Abraham just prior to this, and Abraham knew that one of them was a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ himself. He was literally talking to Christ in a theophany or a pre-incarnate uh, image of Christ on the earth. And these other two angels were going to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so these two angels, finally now, they come to Lot, but he insisted strongly because they said to him, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. These two men, pure as anything, their whole countenance just gave off this persona of purity. And if there's something this world really hates, it hates purity. You ever notice that? The purer you are, someone sees you as a challenge. And what is, isn't it awful? It's an awful thing, but the evil of this world wants to destroy purity. When they see a pure soul, when they see a young girl, a young virgin girl, when they see a young virgin guy, what does that awful person want to do? How far can I get them? What do I have to do to make them compromise? And this is the evil world. And here it begins. So he insisted strongly, so they turned aside into him, into his house, and they entered his house. He made a feast. He baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, young and old, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house, and they called to Lot, and they said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them carnally. That word know is exactly what you think it is. Because remember in in Genesis, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she bare Cain and Abel. He had intimate relations with her. That's what these men wanted to do to these two angels. 
So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and picture this in your mind. And he said, please, my brethren. Boy, that's a scary thing. Lot, why are you calling these guys your brethren? Maybe he's trying to appease them. Do not do so wickedly. See now, notice, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. I don't know about you, but if I was in this culture and I had two virgin daughters, and these men came knocking on my door, and they wanted the men inside of the building, there's one thing I don't think I would do. I would break every law, and I would say, sorry, you're not going to have my daughters either. But this is the whole town that's at his door. This is how perverted this culture had been. And they said, stand back, these men, these uh, sodomites, these were homosexual men. They said, stand back. And they said, this one came in to stay here, and he's, he keeps acting as a judge. So even their very presence, these two angels, just their very presence brought conviction on every, every person that saw them, and they felt judged right to the core. They felt convicted. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hand and pulled Lot into the house with them, and they shut the door, and they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Even when these angels did this uh, miracle and just blinded these men, They're still in their lust. They're clawing for the door, the threshold, trying to get in. Can you imagine that kind of lust? That's the kind of world we live in today. This is like the ultimate in idolatry of caving into the flesh, serving the flesh to the nth degree. You're even blind and you're still trying to satisfy your desire. What a wicked, wicked thing. What a wicked thing. Go back with me to verse 22 in Judges 19. We're going to see a very... Same thing happening here with a minor variation. Aren't you glad that Lot's two daughters weren't taken outside? Do you ever notice that? I want to bring that to your attention, that he didn't give them. He offered his two daughters, but notice it didn't happen. God intervened, and I'm so glad he did. The two virgin daughters were spared. I like that. I'm sure Lot was very thankful for that too. Going back now to verse 22, it says, And they were enjoying themselves, and suddenly certain men of the city, and this is in Gabeah, remember, in Benjamin, this man and his concubine and his servant, it says, Suddenly certain men of the city perverted men, and these were literally men of Belial. These were wicked men. They um, They were homosexual men. They surrounded the house, and they beat on the door, and they spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the men who came to your house, that we may know him carnally. Wow, this is almost like a carbon copy of what we read in in, in, uh, Genesis. Where did they learn that from? Did they even know the word of God, these Benjamites in Gabeah? Maybe they had heard something about this, and maybe their their conscience were so seared that they decided, you know what, we're going to do the same thing. We don't care. Nothing has stopped us this far. We're going to go all the way. See how honest the Bible is? That may scare you. But I would imagine for all of us in this room, adults, we can say, this is, this is the real world. And it's going to become more the real world as time goes on. We're seeing it in some cities already. We're just not hearing about it on the news so much. There's so much news. 
That's why it's so important that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. But he brings this to our attention to show us, this is who you are apart from me. This is what you're capable of apart from me. And aren't you glad tonight that you are in Christ? I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad he's got a hold of me, and I'm so glad he's got a hold on you. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.